Welcome to the Fuzzy Quality Podcast, Podcast. examining AI quality and testing topics and hosted by me, Adam Leon Smith. Hi everybody, Adam here. I have with me today to talk about AI and quality, Mark Eldred and Anna Balan, both from the same Deloitte practice. So we're going to talk about um, consultancy. Now, both myself and the team at Deloitte have been looking at AI quality testing issues for probably years now with a view on how this is going to develop. And increasingly, I get clients coming to me with questions, large clients, small clients, questions about how they can deal with unique quality and testing issues within AI, which there are a lot, as you know, if you've been following this podcast. So I think I'd like to start off uh, talking to you, Anna, about how you initiated this work in, in Deloitte. So how did you become interested and aware of the need for work, research, or a proposition in this space? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Well, uh, when I joined Deloitte around five years ago, both AI and uh, RPA, robotic process automations, were extremely hot topics. It was brought up on all of the corporate meetings, any size, and everybody were talking about it. And... Uh, um, like any sci-fi fan, it was steering my imagination. Um, I really needed to know how it worked and um, how they were built, what AI and robotics actually meant. Um, at the time, uh, we didn't have much set up at Deloitte. We only had a few very young, innovative teams. In testing, we knew that we would need to test and understand AI in time to support our innovative clients. And um, I was just so excited about it. I decided to volunteer myself to, to do the research and to start understanding how everything worked and how could we contribute to the field. Uh, and it sounded just complex and exciting enough to just deep dive in the challenge. Given the lack of best practices in the field now and two years ago, what was your approach to finding out how to test AI systems and what were the specific challenges? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge at the time was uh, a lack of frame of reference. Um, there was a lot of information online um, about AI and different definitions, different blog posts, uh, but there was very limited amount of very structured or academic and consistent information. There was no, there was no degrees which were accessible to me at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was no uh, fully trustable, organized, open source information other than uh, Stanford AI course. And uh, that's where I started. But even then, that was a big problem because it was telling you about what machine learning was and AI, and it, but it wasn't telling you how to test it. Uh, we, we were missing that bridge of approaches between uh, what machine learning is and how would we approach testing it. So we pulled a team together uh, in Deloitte here uh, and started researching everything we could find about AI and machine learning, reading different articles, finding academic articles, which were extremely complicated, um, uh, trying to organize all the knowledge we had into one piece. We started writing different internal and external guides. And most importantly, we started growing our internal and external networks because it was really important to meet the people in the field and understand what they know and how we can incorporate it uh, in, in our approach to be built. Um, so the next point of reference was uh, our own data scientist at Deloitte. In the five years time it took us to get where we are, 
uh, those innovative teams that I talked about, they grew a lot and we now have our own data scientist teams who uh, build the solutions for our clients. Um, and we approached them and were like, can you please tell us how we test it? And they were like, well, I can't tell you how we test it, certainly, but I can tell you how it works and we can pull the knowledge together. And that's what we've done. Um, I think the happy ending of this story was what actually meeting you, Adam, you build up the knowledge, but there was still no one to come and say, hey, this is right. You've done the right thing. And meeting you and um, other people in BSI uh, and on training courses uh, in the external network really helped to validate that our approach was correct and that we were on the right now we have a valid product. And a lot of that resonates with me because when I started becoming interested in this, just, just like you, I had to develop not only the time to read lots of research papers, but also the skill to be able to read those research papers and understand them. It's all very well knowing a lot about testing and, and data, but then you have to overlay that with data science knowledge. And in some cases, a bit of philosophy, sociology and ethics as well. It's a really interesting field where all these different disciplines kind of come together. As you say, there's some training available and actually today, the ISTQB AI certified tester has just gone to a four week beta. So hopefully there will very soon be that international, internationally agreed training course and certification, which will be fantastic. Another interesting thing is, of course, a few weeks ago, we had the EU AI regs uh, published in draft, which say that you have to make sure that you have the right level of accuracy and quality, and you have to prove that. In, and that's very interesting because there's no detail behind that. So they're not referring to the ISTQB certification for sure, but there's no international standards, there's no best practices that actually say how accurate something should be. So I think the, the lawyers have got, or the legislators, I should say, have kind of got stuck at that, that high level. And it's going to be really interesting over the next couple of years as the detail of that develops either through court cases or, even, or preferably through, through international standards. So we're obviously deep in the space, so we've been completely convinced about the need for this for, for some time. Now that you're setting up a specific customer proposition at Deloitte, how did you convince stakeholders that that was necessary? Like, yeah, there, there was no need to convince anyone. Everyone were extremely supportive. Um, I got support from the most senior stakeholders in Deloitte from almost day one. Uh, I've been given time and money and people, um, trainings access to absolutely everything i needed from day one and i felt nothing but support and that will sound very romantic but that is something about deloitte that i recommend to everyone to everyone who applies for a job in deloitte i say um we don't just employ good people uh we let them grow and choose their own paths and support them in that so uh, turning to you, Mark, I guess you were the first person that had to be convinced, right, as a, as a key sponsor of, of this work. Yeah, I was certainly one of them, absolutely. Um, but uh, that was quite an easy step for me. Uh, we see more and more application of um, AI machine learning systems in the cause of our work. And uh, in fact, actually, it, uh, it forms a major element in, in one of my current engagements. Um, and, and from my own learning to the subject, I could see that a non-deterministic system will inevitably need a different uh, approach to testing. And I was conscious that it might follow other routes where sort of um, specialist developers go away thinking that they don't need any help from, from testers. 
Um, and, and there was a risk that sort of data scientists would take on the testing role completely and, and not take account of the years of experience that our professional testers now have on how to increase quality levels across a project. Now, I'm keen that, uh, that Deloitte in our role uh, sort of, of quality and test engineering, we continue to lead the way in our approach to all things quality and testing. So it was an obvious candidate for my support. And not only that, Anna is clearly incredibly passionate about the subject. And her approach is typical of the best of Deloitte. It's individuals finding opportunities and proactively seeking challenges and problems that they can solve. Now, I support all such endeavours where I see them, where they align with our strategic thinking, and this clearly does. Now, I wanted Anna and her team to form Deloitte's point of view on the subject and to know how the area will impact how we'll actually perform the testing ourselves in future. You're, you're completely right about needing to separate it from the data scientists. Someone asked me the other day if I think we'll see data scientists in test in the way we see software development engineers in test. And I think... Um, probably not in the way that we're discussing it. I think that the, the first reason is if you are a data scientist, you, you maybe don't believe it's your responsibility to go and look at how data was collected, how it was labeled. Is that data the, the right data? You kind of have a data set. You've got all that data. You have a, a hypothesis you're trying to prove. So you have like this experimenter's bias. You're probably not going to think outside the boundaries of that. And you're probably not going to think about the data pipeline, right? Like, the, the quality of the camera that's attached to the facial recognition system in, a, in different locations, the lighting level. You might not think about bugs that are dropping data or imputing data in the, in the engineered pipeline. But I think it's really important that we create, we create the separation between data science and, and testing and quality. So can you, but can you think of any parallels, Mark, in your career in testing where technology has changed testing so much? And if not, why do you think that is? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, the technology has certainly changed how we test, and it's opened up possibilities that simply didn't exist in the past. Uh, codeless automation tools have opened areas up to a much wider audience that, that can actually take on automation, for example. However, that wasn't so much a change in the characteristics that we test for. So introducing sort of testing for bias and how that might manifest itself in a production system is completely new. Um, and the only parallel that I can think of is perhaps sort of the testing of applications on mobile devices, mm -hmm. accessibility testing, perhaps, or, you know, A-B testing for the effectiveness of the colour and placement of decision points on, a, on an application. But, I mean, the reason that this is so groundbreaking is that the move to sort of easily deployable AI ML models is a, a quantum shift in technology. It's got... It's going to have a significant impact on our approach and you know we have to reassess the way that we test and we make changes to the assumptions that we've been following for years that simply don't exist in in this new world it is it is so different i've just been doing some work literally today trying to find some data on common causes of bias issues i know what the common causes are but how often does each one happen what's the actual prevalence in in industry today and there's no data available. There's no, there's no research being done at any scale that allows us to really assess that. So characteristics that we, the current thinking on the characteristics we test for is primarily around explainability and interpretability, ability to learn, bias, 
um, and increasingly cybersecurity. I think the clients that I talk to are, are mostly interested in bias and accuracy out of, and possibly explainability out of all of those. Is that consistent with, with what you see either with your clients or in industry? Uh, that's certainly consistent. I think um, a lot of the focus has also been on the cybersecurity element, to be honest. Um, but that's possibly um, part, partly due to the type of clients that, that I work with. Um, but and, and you know, what you're describing certainly fits within sort of Deloitte's trustworthy AI um, sort of point of view and how, how we approach things. So that very much aligns. Interestingly, cybersecurity, in my view, is the least mature of all of these, how you test for the different types of machine learning specific mm. attacks. There's and there's research out there, but there's no standards work that I'm aware of that's really got off the ground yet. There's some starting to, to happen, um, but definitely there's a lot of risk out there. So glad to hear the clients are worrying about it. Well, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I don't, I'm not sure they're necessarily worrying about it in the right way. Right. Um, they might not be thinking about how um, people will be using machine learning to better attack their applications and, and, and their own security. Mm. Um, so, you know, we need to open their eyes to those sort of um, risks that are growing all the time and, and they're not going to stop. Yeah, I've seen systems where they're predicting things like commodity prices or running know your customer, know your business based on open source information from news websites and things like that. Yeah. yeah and yeah. of course, that's public data. So you can seize control if you're a bad actor, influence that public data and then influence the model, which is a, a unique uh, way of attacking a system. Additionally, finding those um, those images that slightly disrupt a image recognition algorithm, injecting pixels to make one person look like another is a really interesting area from a testing perspective because you can't really do black box testing without doing exhaustive testing. You can only really do some form of white box testing and get any kind of confidence in, in your coverage. So there's a whole there's a whole raft of work that needs to be done around that that hasn't even really been been started yet. So so Mark, where do you think this field is going to be in five years' time? <laughs> well, if I knew that, I probably wouldn't be talking to you now. I'd be on my <laughs> Caribbean island sipping pina coladas. Um, but. Uh, I think the answer is we'll be exploring opportunities that we've not really even considered or imagined yet. Um, but there are areas I think that we can be relatively confident about. And sort of, I'm thinking that we have automated tests at the moment, which are difficult to maintain because of the way that the applications change. I, I think that we will be looking at the, the world of self-healing automated tests that can um, automatically adapt to um, to the changes in, in applications and reduce the, the high maintenance overheads. I think we'll see sort of autonomous exploratory tests that, that you can set off and they'll start to sniff around the system and work out um, all the various different paths that can be followed and, 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 and follow them through. Uh, and I'd like to hope that we've got some, some more autonomous ways to look at requirements um, those requirements that are likely to produce defects and sort of work out where we can actually um, start uh, improving the quality from, from the outset. Uh, over and above that, I, I know that the demand for testing in this area will increase and the demand for 
using this area, using AI and ML in the delivery of testing will increase. So it's, it's a really exciting time. Yeah, I think so on that first point, using AI in, in testing, there's so much potential and it, it's really easy to imagine how a machine learning model can pick a better, a better like object identifier and self-heal than something like yeah. Selenium. But I've downloaded every single open source solution that does it, bar one that someone only pointed out to me last week called Helenium or something. All of them appear, all the open source ones have either been bought by someone like Facebook, for example, yeah. and are no longer open source, or they're not maintained, or they really are quite hokey solutions. I know there's commercial solutions out there um, that do some of the things that you're, you're talking about, but I think an open source solution is really necessary, at least for something like Selenium, before it really takes off. So there's definitely the research there to support those solutions. There's definitely starting to be some commercial solutions. Around the testing of AI, in my head, it's probably next year, clients are going to really start to worry about regulation and trade in this space and want to be compliant with upcoming standards, upcoming regulation. And then in the following two to five years, I think conformity assessment will develop. So I don't know if, I don't know, if you know this, but there are some areas of software testing that are heavily regulated. Um, certainly some oh, things in yeah. mobile communications, for instance, gambling machines, for example, the software that runs on those. So life in order to as well, absolutely life sciences. So in order to go to test something there, you have to be accredited by the UK accreditation service as a specific um, independent certifying body. And it looks like certainly in the EU, that's the way we're going before you can release your software, you need to either be audited or have an internal audit. Uh, and then you get a, a stamp of approval, a CE mark, like on, on the chair I'm sitting on now, it has a CE mark on the back because it complies with some standard. So it'll be interesting to see how much the testing industry has to move into that conformity assessment space because it's light years away from a lot of the way people think about testing in consumer applications now. That's absolutely true, yeah. I think the great part of it as well is that we kind of felt it around five years ago that we were going there. And I think that's why so many of our senior stakeholders within Deloitte testing were pushing for it. We are ready to, to to do testing on AI systems, and we are really looking forward for uh, increase in demand. Great. Well, thank you very much, Mark and Anna. It's been great to talk to you. Great to talk to other consultants who are doing the same thing. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was lovely. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you.